Just Go With It is a podcast hosted by two millennials who swear. And also, it's about horror films, so listener discretion is advised. We will put specific content warnings in the show notes. Boo! <laughs> I really, I really do think that no one would miss Indiana. I said that to Jess. <laughs> I'm going to start it right there. <laughs> and then anyone in Indiana is going to be like, what the we fuck? We do have at least one Indiana listener. So All right, fine. I'm I'll sorry. cut it. <laughs> but We value I... you. Just like you'll either get to choose Illinois or Ohio. Yeah, there we go. Okay. Yeah. Illinois so, is arguably the better choice. I'm not cutting it because we just gave you a choice. Yeah, we just gave you a choice. <laughs> welcome, welcome, everybody. Besides from people. You can't. <laughs> Kate ruined the word welcome for me. I know we've already <laughs> talked about it, but every time you say it, I look at you like you're a criminal. Yeah. Because you are. Yeah, I deserve that. Welcome. <laughs> Disgusting. Anyway, you were giving a welcome. I was giving a welcome to everybody, even the people from Indiana. Yeah. Hi, you're welcome here, but you're on thin ice. Um, today we're talking about a good movie. Oh, that was a lie. We're talking about a movie. <laughs> We're talking about a patron pick movie. We are talking about a patron pick movie. Which... I remembered at the top, which I never do. I was about to just skip past it, and then you were like, patron pick! And I was like, yeah! <laughs> I know! <laughs> I feel bad. This is the first patron pick where I'm like, y'all did me dirty. Yeah. <laughs> I still love you. Yeah. But we need to talk. <laughs> Meet me out back. I just want to talk. I just want to talk. Come <laughs> on, <Listen>. coward. <laughs> Bite me, idiot. <laughs> Just kidding. I'm so sorry. Support us. We love our patrons love so, much. so much. And we put this in the lineup. We did put this in the lineup. And by this, we're talking about the Mothman Prophecies. Oh, we're covering the Mothman Prophecies. Covering the Mothman Prophecies. Sorry it took so long to get there. Eh. I was... We're just recreating delaying. the movie. Yes. Oh, my God. Slow burn. Sorry it took... Ugh. We're talking about Mothman Prophecies. Mm-hmm. Do you want some facts about it, Kate? Yeah. I don't have a lot. Okay. Again, like the last movie that we talked about, for some reason, I just couldn't find, like, any information on, like, production, which is what I'm trying to give facts about yeah. for fun. Nothing, really. So, I got my basic ones. This movie was made in 2002. It's older than I thought. Yeah. For some reason, I thought that it was a little, not recent, but I thought it was, like, in the 2010s area. Oh. So, when I saw 2002, I was a little surprised, I guess. Okay. Um, yeah. But, yeah, so 2002, uh, it was directed by Mark Pellington. Uh, He made Going All the Way, uh, Arlington Road, and many, many music videos. Oh, great. great. I believe he also, like, still is making music videos. Um, I I can see some music video themes in this movie. Once I read that fact, I was like, I see now. The cutscenes, got it, got it, got it. (laughs) You get it, we'll get there. Um, So, yeah, lots of music videos for, like, tons and tons of artists. Um, He did it before he made, like, his feature films, and then I think that's kind of what he does now. Um, Bump my mic, sorry. Ma'am? Sorry. Uh, (laughs) I couldn't figure out, like, who wrote it specifically. For some reason, it didn't have, like, it just said, like, it's based on a book. And I was like, right, but who adapted the screenplay? Doesn't matter. It's based on a book. Doesn't matter. It's based on a book. Uh, It's based on a book by John Keel. Same name and, obviously, similar book premise they didn't change a ton i mean i have like a short list of the things they changed because i also okay like they did change like three major things right but the rest of it's pretty right the rest of it was kind of just like "Mm." the ones i know about are about kind of like the end is what i know the changes are okay so i'm excited to hear more of them uh and then also the cinematography was fred murphy couldn't find a ton on this guy either for some reason but he made 
Hoosier. Oh, Hoosiers. Yeah. He, so he did Tony Shalhoub. Tony Shalhoub. I wanted you to say it so bad. So this guy made Hoosiers. Yeah. Thank you. And, uh. Hoosiers. Hoosiers. Uh, The Dead and Secret Window. Oh. Which, after watching this, and then I, I have seen Secret Window. Secret Window's Johnny Depp, right? Yes. Um, after, like, I found out that the cinematographer also did that movie, I kind of get it. Yeah. Because they're both, I'm not going to say the same, because yeah. this one is weird, but it's somewhat similar. I can kind of... Uh, I was in the same room as people watching The Secret Window. I cannot say that I remember any of it. I, I went through a phase where I was obsessed with Johnny Depp, yeah. and I had a, a handwritten sad list of every single movie he had ever made, and Secret Window, I, I watched it, because I was like, it's Johnny Depp. Yep. I don't remember a goddamn thing about it. One of my undergrad roommates obsessed with Johnny Depp, so we watched it, so you're right. and I remember nothing about it, except that he was in it. Same. So I'm glad that Secret Window has an effect on everyone, yep. apparently. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, <laughs> so mm-hmm. Cinematographer also did that. Um, it didn't seem like they he did like a ton more, really. Um, but yeah, so that's what I got for that. Music was by Tom and Dandy. Okay. So I at first I read that, and I went, ooh, interesting name. It's Tom and Andy. Yeah, that's what I was Mixed like, together. Yeah. I'm glad you caught it, because I just went, Tom and Andy. Like, and I was like, cool word. No, it's a name. Okay. Uh, it's a musical duo uh, from New York. Thomas Haiju? I don't know how to say it. I mm-hmm. tried to look up the pronunciation and could not figure it out, yeah. but it's H-A-J-D-U. Haju? Haju. That's how I was saying it. Like, yeah, I'm not sure. In my head. So Thomas Haju. Um, but if you want to look them up, it's H-A-J-D-U and then Andy Milburn. Hodgdu. Hodgdu. It's one of, it's one of those. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but those, apparently they do a ton of musical, like not musicals, uh, they do a ton (laughs) of musicals. Guys and dolls. Thoroughly mad and Millie. (laughs) The the pronunciation really threw me through it. Now I'm just, I'm off the rails. I get it. Let me just, they do a lot of soundtracks. (laughs) Which I was surprised by. I didn't, for some reason, when I saw that it was a musical duo, I was like, oh, they probably did like this movie and they're like, you know, they just perform whatever. No, they just do a shit ton of soundtracks. They've done Rules of Attraction, Going All the Way, The Hills Have Eyes, The Strangers, a ton. Okay. Good job, Tom and Andy. Tom and Andy. So, super cool. Um, The budget was 32 million. Oh. More than I thought, actually. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Do you know how much it made? I actually do because okay. I scrolled past it and accidentally read it That's twice. Okay. But if I were to guess, I would not have guessed what it actually did make. So 55.1 million. Okay, yeah. Is, I would not have guessed that. Nope. Neither would I. I never I would have. was expecting to see a lower number than the budget, thinking like, yep. oh, it probably wasn't great, like whatever. I, I, I guess Mothman brought in the crowds. I don't Maybe know. Maybe it was Richard Gere. Maybe. And I mean, Deborah Messing Messing as well, because like that's when Will and Grace had to be pretty big. Oh, yeah. So I can only imagine that people were like, hell yeah. And then she's dead immediately. And people were like, okay, what the fuck? (laughs) Excuse me? Um, So yeah, not, I mean, it made more than I anticipated. Yeah. Considering it's not, it's not great. We'll get to why. The critics also didn't love it. So it's not just us being like, ew. Yeah. Like I'm not just shitting on this movie just, and I'm not shitting on it no. as hard as others i i just don't love it but yeah. we'll, we'll get into why um i don't have a ton of facts but here's like one uh the movie claimed that the bridge collapse was never explained <laughs> actually it was yep. um <laughs> i bar 330 yeah so yeah the failure was an i bar and a suspension uh chain so mm-hmm. like people knew why it, yep. it collapsed and everybody was just like it's a mystery 
And I'm like, I don't know, Mothman prophecies. I don't think that's true. I don't think that's true. <laughs> uh, the whole movie was also filmed in Pittsburgh. Oh. Well, Pittsburgh and other smaller towns within uh, Pennsylvania. But yeah, yeah. a lot was filmed in Pittsburgh specifically. I can picture that because of the river. You can Pittsburgh that. Air horn noises. It's been a while. Did you miss it? Did you see just me slowly dying? <laughs> Kate put her hand, in, her head in her hand so fast. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, yeah, no, I can see it. Like, it's, yeah. Pittsburgh has that kind of generic small town kind of vibe. I love Pittsburgh. I mean, yeah. I, I have family from there and I do love it, but yeah. you know how it's, it's cute. Like I've it's been a, there precisely once oh, really? for two days. So I can't say I'm an expert, but I can say that like the pictures of the river to me felt very Pittsburgh. Yeah. It, Pittsburgh is really pretty. I like it a lot. Um, but there are parts of Pittsburgh where I'm like, yeah, that could totally just be like a small ish town where mm-hmm, you could mm-hmm. convince anybody it was any state. Yeah. In the Midwest area. Yeah. It's very like, you know, how they form, like film everything in Georgia for oh, a lot yeah. of things. Like yeah. <laughs> Pittsburgh's got that vibe for me where it's like, I don't know, it's it's Pittsburgh. It could be anywhere. Or how a lot of shows that supposedly take place in California are filmed in Canada. Yes. Yeah. Wild. I, I, <laughs> hilarious. Also, this is a interesting fact, I guess. Um, I don't really care for them, but several of the police officers from Point Pleasant Specifically, mm-hmm. were actually uh, in the movie. Oh. They had like, they were as they were extras. I, I guess. Got it. I don't know when specifically. Integral to the movie, I see. Yeah, it's totally important. Uh-huh. So glad they got those cops yeah. in there. But those are my facts. Okay, not well, a lot going on. I didn't know those facts, so so you know, there you go. Yeah. And then the summary. Um, I don't know. Mothman makes everyone psychic. I. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like, sure. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't understand it. Yeah. I don't, I don't think that's a fault of uh, you. <laughs> Good. I knew about the whole injured Cole thing. And like, I've watched this weird sh- like doc thing on Amazon, some documentary mm-hmm. about um, like coincidences. And I don't, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is not coincidences, but like Things that all happen and just synchronicities. Oh, yeah. So I've watched like a documentary on like that. And a lot of it was about Indrakul and this and that and how it was connected to Point Pleasant and a bunch of other towns. Hmm. Interesting watch. Kind of more interesting than... <laughs> if I remember the name, I'll look it up. But Okay, yeah. Yeah, it, it, was, it was neat. Um, better than this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do you want the... <sighs> I'd love a real summary. summary. Okay. Based on true events in mm-hmm. Point Pleasant, West Virginia. It's West Virginia, right? It is, yes. Okay, this one just says Virginia, and I was like, hold up. Yeah. Okay, based on true events in Point Pleasant, the Mothman Prophecies examines a series of inexplicable occurrences through the eyes and mind of one man. A man is driven to investigate the mysterious circumstances surrounding his wife's death and how they might be connected to the strange phenomena in a town 400 miles away. <laughs> yeah. Did they even say Mothman in this movie? Oh. Can you think of a time where they say the word Mothman in this film? Yeah. You can? Okay. I think so. When he's talking to Leek. Oh, and okay. he says it was like a Ukrainian translation or something. I don't... Oh, okay. Huh. Because in my head I was like, do they even... Do they even ever say it? They're just like, Indrid Cole. And then I'm like, say Mothman. It's Mothman prophecy. Say it. <laughs> say it out loud. Mothman. It's like how... <laughs> In so many zombie shows, they literally never say zombie. Like, right. they don't say that word. They call them, like, walkers. Walker, yeah. yeah. Well, this had that effect. Yeah. I was just, I kept waiting. I was yeah. like, yes, bring me, bring on the Mothman. 
they leaned so hard into the imagery of the classic Mothman with like yeah. the red eyes. Red, it was in every single shot. We'll mm-hmm. get to it later, but no fucking Mothman. Yeah. <sighs> I'm ready for Nerd Corner. Okay. I've been excited because you told me what you're going to do, sort of, and I was like, oh, I'm pumped. Yeah. <laughs> this is going to be more interesting. <laughs> Because I watched the movie and I was like, what do I cover? Like, <laughs> right? Like, what do I do? Yeah. So uh, we talked about urban legends, mm-hmm. specifically as it applies to morality and cautionary tales. And I may have not have made it like super clear, but urban legends, also called contemporary legends, are a form of folklore. They're oh, like okay. a subtype. So I want to back it up, explain a little bit more about folklore, and then see where Mothman fits into it all. Yes. We'll start first with the most basic piece. What is folklore? Yes. It's hard to nail down a precise definition. (laughs) So the most basic piece is still kind of like, but uh, I'll give you a few definitions. And they do generally agree. It just, you know, there are some differences. Somewhat. Okay, cool. Yeah. So Merriam-Webster says, traditional customs, tales, sayings, dances, or art forms preserved among a people. Okay. Oxford English Dictionary says the traditional beliefs, customs, and stories of a community passed through the generation by word of mouth. Mm-hmm. And Wikipedia says the expressive body of culture shared by a particular group of people. It encompasses the traditions common to that culture, subculture, or group. So okay. across all these definitions, we see it's about stories, beliefs, and practices that are right. shared by a community. Generally, folklore can be further divided into modes of expression or transmission. Right. So there's verbal, material, and customary. Verbal folklore encompasses anything written or spoken. Oh, okay. Yeah. So both oral traditions and viral email chains <laughs> fall into this category. <laughs> One is like this gorgeous thing that's like um like a beauty of the ages, and then the other one is like, if you don't email this to 10 of your closest friends, you'll die. Yeah, God, yeah. those things are wild. I know. <laughs> uh, material folklore refers to all artifacts. Our fox. Artifox. <laughs> the ambiance. <laughs> uh, my aunt from Rhode Island taught me how to say am um I can't say it the way other people say it, but I was Wait. like, oh the ambiance is like this. Oh ambiance. Okay, thank you. Yeah, is that how you say it? I think so, but how else would ambience? Because <gasps> there's like ambient noise. Oh and it, okay. So I just never say it. No, I say ambiance. Okay, you thank said you. it and I was like, yeah. Okay. I don't think there's another way to say it. If people say ambience or ambiance, I don't... Okay. I don't know her. Listen, I, I don't know her, and okay. you're wrong, and I'm sorry. Okay. Thank you. That I had, <laughs> I had a moment of panic. No, I'm team ambiance. I'm with you on team that one. Team ambiance. Got yeah. It, got it. Got it. Okay. So material folklore refers to all artifacts that can be touched, held, lived in, or eaten. They have to... <laughs> Those are so specific. What yep. if you can live in it and eat it? Uh, candy house. Dream come true. Yeah. They have to physically exist in space. I almost said I want a house made of soup, but that's just a pool. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, sure is. You can't live in it's a pool. It's more puddle because if it's only made of soup. Oh, no. The structural integrity is not there. Yeah. Well, I guess I... Unless it's a bread bowl. <gasps> oh, my God. I'm in. <laughs> I'm hungry. <laughs> Come to my bread bowl house. I don't want soup. Okay, Are you I'm an sorry. onion hell in your onion house? <laughs> One time I said onion hell and Kate just roasted me for so long. <laughs> I get roasted in Discord pretty Welcome much constantly. Welcome to my onion house. This is where I onion live. You can see the whole exchange on Twitter. Oh, that was it. It's on Twitter. I love onions. I love soup. So sue me. So soup me. Air <laughs> horn <laughs> noises for Kay. Wow. I'm so proud of you. Thank you. You're welcome. Material folklore. Good, yes. <laughs> Uh, they have to physically exist in space. Right. It can be painstakingly handmade or mass-produced. Mm-hmm. 
It could be a single intricately beaded ceremonial dress, or it could be a dreidel that has been produced in a factory. Mm -hmm. It just is about the culture and like the tradition within it. Okay. So the means of production isn't what determines if it's a cultural right. artifact or if it's like valid of representing culture. Yeah. Um, so they're both examples of material folklore. Customary gets into actions. Mm -hmm. It's what we do, our customs. Oh, okay. Yeah. So dances, rituals, ceremonies, those are all customary folklore. Mm hmm the Wikipedia, ooh, the Wikipedia article gives much smaller examples as well, like the mm -hmm. customs of a child's birthday party in the U.S. Oh, so okay. there's the cake, the candles, the wish, the song, etc. Yeah. And this demonstrates that there's a ton of overlap among the modes of expression. So beliefs and values can be expressed in a number of ways at once. Mm -hmm. Because the cake is material, blowing out the wish is a custom. Blowing out the wish? Blowing out the candles and making a wish is the custom. <sighs> That's my wish. <laughs> <laughs> so... That's what folklore is. Yeah. What does it do? What does it do? So according to William Bascom, there are four functions to folklore. Mm -hmm. uh, I did read some of his original article that everyone quotes. It's, it's dense. Ew, no. So I just read three different summaries of it. Yeah. And said, that's good enough. That's enough. You yeah. That's three summaries. So you yeah. got to get most of it, right? Yeah. I mean. Because I was like, okay, what I want is like his original quote where he like lists the four. Right. And then I'll paraphrase them and like explain what it means with yeah. examples. But then I was like trying to scroll through and find it. And it's so fucking dense. That's so hard. And yeah. he never like lists them out thesis style. He right. has, like, a page where he talks about one, a page or two. Where, anyway, I got tired. Too much. It's too much. So the four functions of folklore are escapism, mm -hmm. validation of culture and tradition, education and reinforcement of values, and uh, maintain conformity to community and cultural norms. Okay. So escapism is, like, it's fun. It also gives this, this realm to see, like, bad people punished and good people celebrated. Oh. Um, those are, like, some forms of escapism through yeah. folklore. Validation of culture and tradition is basically like there's a reason we do this mm -hmm. and it's celebrated and like our tradition means this to us and it has this outcome, that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, education and reinforcement of values that can speak to like morality tales and cautionary tales oh, where okay. it's like, hey, like the good child doesn't cry wolf. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. And then maintain conformity to community and cultural norms mm -hmm. is a lot of like the cautionary tales. And it can be definitely more than that. But to me, like, the clearest example is where it's basically like, well, if you stray outside the bounds like a weirdo, you're going to be ostracized. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. So what we have so far, mm -hmm. folklore can be created and transmitted in a variety of mediums. They reflect the values and beliefs of the society and can be used to entertain, educate, and reinforce norms. Yeah. So where is Mothman in all of this? Where, where is he, Kate? Well, specifically West Virginia. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll cover his history, and then we'll dig into the more abstract matters okay. of his placement in the mind. Yeah. So an article I read said that Mothman differs from many other American folktales and cryptids because there's a set first sighting. Okay. So, like, Bigfoot first got that moniker in the 50s, 1950s. That's far from an origin point. Mm -hmm. Indigenous art in the painted caves dating back like 500 to 1,000 years show a large hairy family. There were stories about Bigfoot-like creatures in the 1720s, 1840s, 1920s, Jeez. from Washington to Mississippi. So Bigfoot is not like in the small Ohio town. No. No. It's, Bigfoot is eternal. <laughs> if there's one thing that you take from this episode is that Bigfoot Bigfoot's is eternal. eternal. Yeah. Much like Boss Baby. Yeah. Yeah. Both. Uh, so Bigfoot vibes. I'm getting some real Bigfoot vibes from this. Yeah. <laughs> but Mothman has a very distinct first sighting mm -hmm. solely in Point Pleasant. Yes. According to the mythology of it. So yeah. that was on uh, November 15th, 1966. 
Shit. Okay. Yeah. That's one of the big um, differences between the actual story and the movie is that this takes place in the fucking 60s. And the movie is in the early 2000s. I wondered. Okay. Because yeah. I was like, I, I knew obviously the story of Mothman a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I feel like it's the 60s. Mm-hmm. But I was like, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Because I was watching this. And I was like, it seems really late. In yeah. the, like <laughs> It seems really not 60s to me. They kept not talking about early sightings of it. So I was like, oh, maybe they're just not going to bring it up. But it's totally an old thing. And I was like, oh, nope. They're just... I was like, going for it. is this Mothman 2, Mothman's child? Right? Like, are we, like, seeing the next gen? Like, I had no Baby idea. Baby Mothman. Yeah. Would be so cute, though. That would be really cute. Just oh. so fuzzy. Oh, I love big moth. eyes. Oh, my God. Okay. Now I want that. I know. We should get, we should draw Baby Mothman. Okay, I'll draw Baby okay, Mothman. thank you, thank you. So many sources say the first sightings were on the night of November 15th mm-hmm. uh, by two young couples. They were out driving and saw a large flying man with 10-foot wings and glowing red eyes. Terrifying. Yes. According to their accounts, he chased them at speeds around 100 miles per hour as they drove away, panicked. The local paper picked up the story and ran with the headline, Couple see man-sized bird dot 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 creature dot 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 something. <laughs> yeah. Whoever wrote the paper at that time fucking knew comedy. Yeah. They were just like, this is going to be so good. Yeah. <laughs> And then later, an Ohio um, paper also reported on the story and named him Mothman. You go, Ohio. Go, Woo! Ohio. <laughs> we made Mothman. We made Mothman. You can't take that from us. I love how we just, like, try to claim things that other states have a claim to, like, first in flight type stuff. <laughs> we made the plane. And everyone's like, I don't think so. And Ohio's like, shh, 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 shh. It's okay, baby. It's okay. If you don't it up, we're not wrong. <laughs> Oh, God. Uh, So then from November of 1966 Mm -hmm. to December of 1967, there were varied sightings of Mothman in Point Pleasant. Yeah. Um, The sources aren't obviously super great. And so like some of them are like, oh, there were like over 100 people that saw it and more that were too afraid to report it. But there aren't like confirmed. Anyway. Yeah. I was going to say with over like a blah, blah, blah sightings, I couldn't get a good enough number to say with any certainty. But on December 15th, 1976, nope, 67. I think I might be number dyslexic. I really can't. Welcome to the club. Yeah. Uh, So on that day in that year, tragedy did strike. Yes. Uh, It was rush hour on a Friday evening, and traffic was heavier because it was close to Christmas. Mm -hmm. Unlike the movie, it was not Christmas Eve. Okay, it was just around Christmas. Okay. Uh, It was December 15th, so it was like within two weeks of it, but for heightened drama, they said Christmas Eve. Right. It wasn't, though. Uh, Ibar 330 had a defect that caused it to weaken and corrode over time, and there wasn't any redundancy in the bridge, so, like, every bar was holding its own weight, and if right. one snapped, another one wasn't, like, Going to be able to... a backup. Yep. And so, like, the bridge was founded upon equilibrium, and when one thing breaks, everything else is thrown out of balance, It's a chain reaction of just, yep. like shit <laughs> yeah so when it snapped it started off like a domino like chain of events oh my god and within a minute the bridge had collapsed holy fuck yeah holy shit 31 cars went into the river uh there were 21 survivors and 46 deaths and two of the, the bodies 36, were never correct yep yeah that was the, that was the thing i yeah so okay. now we've gotten to all three of my major differences <laughs> yeah i was gonna say i like how all the differences are basically about this bridge where yeah. i'm like that's the one thing that is the biggest like that's the most factual aspect of this entire thing and they and were like, like mm, actually no <laughs> like <laughs> and i was like do you think it's not capitalizing on someone's tragedy to change the number right like, like why would you change it from 37 or 47 46 to 36 basically like, 
like I understand like covering the story because it's interesting, like the stuff yeah. before the bridge collapse, a hundred percent interesting. But like, if you're going to cover something that was a genuine tragedy, maybe keep it yeah. how it was. Just at least be accurate about yeah. it. Cause I, I don't know. It seems weird to be like, no, only 36 died. Why? Like what that, like did that change for you? What's the difference? Yes, exactly. Like it to me, weird. that change doesn't make sense story-wise. And to me, the only reason to change it would be to, be more sensitive, but it's not more it's sensitive not more sensitive to the folks that died. No, just weird. Because I it's was like, weird. you can cover tragedies in a movie and make it fine. Like, it's sad. It's not exploitative if you do it correctly. But instead, I don't know. They were just like, that's fucking change it. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> 37 sounds better than 47. Yeah, and like, when she whispers the... it dramatically, we want it to really be. 37. Okay, fucking whatever. Like, <laughs> people don't care about 47, Nikki. You should know. I feel so weird. I love 47. I do like 47. 47's good. We're team 47. What were, what else were we? Team ambiance and team 47. Yeah. Team ambiance, team 47. Go Ohio. Go yeah. Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> In this house, we respect the 40s. Yeah. Seven. Specifically the 47. Yeah, not no all the 40s. Others. Just Yeah. Okay. So as mentioned, uh, nope, going back. So 21 survivors, 46 deaths, mm-hmm. with the exception of a few scattered reports, there were no Mothman sightings after the collapse. Interesting. Okay. There were like one or two, but basically people are like, no one else really saw him after yeah. that. So as mentioned, the collapse of the bridge was caused by a structural failing, right. not sabotage via winged creature. So why is Mothman connected to the tragedy? Yeah. Mostly because of the timing of the reports. Okay. So some folks say that Mothman, as we talked about, was warning them. And yeah, once yeah. the tragedy occurred, he flew off to the unknown, maybe to another city in need of vague and unhelpful tidings. <laughs> Do you guys mind if I give you some weird fucking visions and then get upset when you don't save a tragedy? Yeah. You guys you save a bridge? That's good for you, right? You like that? Because I'm really like hitting my stride. I, I think time. this is good for me. <laughs> fucking Mothman. Don't come for me. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'll listen. So if we want to dig into the original report, yeah, the creature seen by the two couples has been hypothesized to be a sandhill crane. Okay. Yes. This is because it could reasonably have been in the area. Mm-hmm. They're not like typically in that area, but they have been seen in that right. area. Right. It's not possible. And it could match the size requirements because it has like this enormous fucking They're fucking span. big. Yes. Yeah. Like, but what about the glowing red eyes you say? Well, anyone familiar with flash cameras is right? painfully aware of the red eye effect, especially when they were disposable cameras at camp. And oh all God. of them are horrific because everyone has glowing red eyes. <laughs> I love pictures from the 2000s and the 90s yep. where everyone just looks like a fucking demon. And you were like, yay, birthday. I remember having like That's a terrible. red eye corrector on the computer. Yes. And being like, oh my God, these homecoming pictures are saved. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> yeah. People don't know the pain of the they red don't. eyes. They fucking don't. <laughs> Children these days don't understand don't get the pain that we experience. I miss looking like a demon, to be honest. Yeah. So they were not independently growing like demonic LEDs. Yeah. Debunking or explaining Mothman isn't my purpose in Nerd Corner or in life, really. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm much more interested in the social pressures at the time and how we hold on to the story and legend. Yeah. That's more amorphous, but I'm going to give it a shot. <laughs> so an article I read pointed out that the late 60s was prime Cold War time. Mm-hmm. People were watching the skies for Russian threats. Yeah. So there was already that anxiety about what's in the sky, what's the unknown, and there was like the UFO stuff. There's also another aspect is the abandoned industry aspect 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 uh in point pleasant so some of the sightings were focused on the tnt area which referred to the defunct factory that made explosives during the second world war 
But uh, what if, you know, there were corroding materials contaminating and mutating right. the surrounding flora and fauna? <laughs> so there were a lot of different anxieties that could have really played into Mutated this. Mutated moth! <laughs> <laughs> the moth just kept growing and it never stopped. That's a horrible life for the like moth. New York sewer gators or some shit. I don't know. <laughs> oh my God. Terrifying. Yeah. So beyond the local factors, there are more general ones that can explain a lot of different types of panics and like mythology mm-hmm. origin stories. One of these is the availability bias. It's also called heuristic, but bias just makes more sense to mm-hmm. a lot of people. So it's basically a shortcut that your brain takes when like taking in news or information. So, for example, we know that travel by planes is statistically much safer than driving cars. Right. However, many people are afraid to fly because they saw so many horrific plane crashes on the news. Right. That information is available and memorable. Mm -hmm. And so whatever is the most readily available information is what you're going to use to interpret new information coming in and recall previous events. So... You're in Point Pleasant. You see something weird that you can't explain. Your brain doesn't have a logical box to put it in. But there have been some weird sightings of a Mothman recently, so that must be it. It's got to be it. Yeah. Jesus. I All of a sudden this, uh, what is it? It's a text post, and it's like, uh, old-timey doctors got mm-hmm. ghosts in your blood. Do some cocaine, Do some about, cocaine it. about it. Yeah, so it's like... <laughs> Ghost in your blood? Mothman. Maybe it's Mothman. Maybe it's Mothman. Maybe you know, she's born with it. Maybe it's Mothman. It's Mothman. Okay, we need that. That's good. <laughs> yeah. I'll make it. <laughs> it's a tiny Mothman baby with like big eyeshadow, like the lipstick mm-hmm. smear, like, I can do it, mommy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Beautiful merch idea. I'll draw it as soon as I can. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so... We have uh, pressures around the time. We have a really small town that it's really easy for a story like that to spread when everyone knows everyone. Like my hometown is like 13,000. Yeah. This uh, Point Pleasant was like 4,000. It's real small. I've been there. It's, It's very little. Yeah. So when everyone knows each other, those types of stories and legends and things get cemented real quick and then they can grow past the original story. Mm -hmm. There's also the fact that John Keel published a book in 1975 called The Mothman Prophecies that link the titular legend with the bridge collapse, Mm -hmm. men in black, ufology, among other topics. Oh, God, yeah. There's a lot there. Uh, So this book became the inspiration for the movie of the same name, which we did, in fact, watch this week. We sure did. Interestingly enough, the movie was released in January of 2002, Mm -hmm. and Point Pleasant hosted the first annual Mothman Festival in November of the same year. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. Ha! Yeah, so reportedly they wanted to find, one, a creative way to drive tourism, Mm -hmm. and two, celebrate their town's unique legacy. So this is kind of in the part where, like, how'd the story start? Well, there are a bunch of, like, societal factors that can influence it, and then why is the story still relevant when it was a teeny tiny town? Well, because of, like, the book that was... Mm -hmm. uh, wild to put it lightly and then a movie with richard Gere in it and then a town that now drives their tourism through this history yeah Mm -hmm. so in terms of the longevity of mothman we have this title like multiple conspiracy theorist communities that keeps it alive richard Gere, i assume did something i don't know he's doing it yeah he's doing it doing it (laughs) i to me he's just this generic 80s leading man i don't even know if that's true but that's he what he is, is in my no. head. I think, I mean, okay. yeah, I mean, yeah, he's like a 
hot guy that well hot older guy that people are just like oh yeah that's a leading guy right there was he like the 80s though like am i getting the time period right i okay i could be wrong i'm having a kate moment um Mm. i think he Mm. might be (laughs) i was just like yeah yeah (laughs) i i think he might be in pretty woman i think that might be his big like oh richard gear pretty woman like so i think you're right I, th- I think he's like... It is Richard Gere. Okay, yeah. And that's in uh, 1990. Oh, okay. So... I think he was more 90s than 80s, okay. but I, I, I think you're right. Okay. I think he's kind of like that kind of a heartthrob. Yeah. Not really like, you know, classically hot. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So 100% putting Richard Gere in this, and then also like we talked about Deborah Messing, because Will and Grace, Grace was really popular at the time, mm-hmm. probably helped sell this. And Laura Linney, people, I mean, Laura Linney's great. It has a good cast. When I told my mom... I was talking to her, like, uh, after I watched it. And I was like, yeah, I've, you know, never seen it. It's fine. She was like, I've never heard of it. Who's in it? Then I told her the cast. And she went, holy shit, really? And I was like, apparently. Yeah. So I think that's also what helped sell this movie. So you're right. Richard Gere's doing some work. He's doing some work, (laughs) yeah. So Mothman has that in his favor. And then there's also an annual festival that's nearing its 20th year. Yeah. Like, it'll be the 20th fucking year. And I think that's pretty fucking cool. And I want to impressive. So there's a lot working in Mothman's favor to, like, really cement him in the... He's got a lot of help. Imagination, yeah. So even for those of us that first saw this 2002 movie this week uh, and have never been to Point Pleasant, I haven't, there's something about Mothman that draws us in. Right. What is it? So Kim Stryker, a folklorist at George Mason University, theorizes that, quote, supernatural interest springs up in society when a distraction is needed. The last 20 years have meant unprecedented challenges to everyday life, and in periods of great political and social upheavals, societal upheavals, stories like that of Mothman are greatly welcomed. I can see that, yeah. Yeah. So maybe the cryptid renaissance we're in is because we're such anxious beings, which is fucking valid. True. Yeah. (laughs) And if we want to narrow the focus from society as a whole to one state, in that period of time from 67 to 2002. Yeah. What did Mothman's story mean to residents of Point Pleasant? It wasn't yet a hit movie. Right. It was after a tragedy. So in that period of time, what did it mean to them? Like, what function did folklore serve in a small rural town or just the state at large? Mm -hmm. And I came across a number of articles where folks from West Virginia talked about their connection to the story. Not necessarily, like, sightings. Yeah. But hearing the story. Right. And, like, growing up around the story. And they commented on the way that they... They comment like how they see themselves is very different from the way folks from other states see West Virginia mm-hmm. and like misconceptions and uh, stereotypes and stuff like that. So I didn't do a, a super deep dive on that, but I think it's fascinating that a very local myth can mean something very different to the people in that town. Right. And then it can become something a lot bigger and it just functions differently. And I just thought that was kind of interesting because we had something that was deeply personal for a small town. Yeah. And then now it's something where... It's like worldwide. Like everyone just knows Mothman and he's like a fucking beloved, like... Oh, yeah. He's a gay icon. He's a gay icon. Yeah. Mothman's great. I mean, you know, which is so weird to say because he's connected to this like tragedy. It's really weird. Do you want to know how I described Mothman in my notes? How? Uh, Mothman is like that goth little Amelia Bedelia who tries her damnedest to do good but messes it up in creepy ways. No! <laughs> so accurate. I want Mothman in Amelia Bedelia's oh outfit. <laughs> oh my god. I I have to draw that now too. Yeah. I hope you're happy. I have so many things I have to draw now. now. I 
I also, every time I think of Mothman, I think of that sound on TikTok when he was like, what are you doing out here? Double cheeked up on a Thursday afternoon with all that ass. Like, because yep. <laughs> he's got that statue, that thick yeah. ass. Yeah. I think that statue is really what like solidified him yeah. as like a heartthrob because people like f- fucking, people want to fuck Mothman. Let's, they I'm do. just going to say it, they okay? They want to fuck Mothman, yeah. There are bumper I, stickers to that effect. Yeah, so... I think that it's the statue's ass that's doing a lot of the heavy lifting here. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But boy, do people want to fuck him. Yeah, they do. <laughs> you know, I should have included, like, horny corner in your Oh, my corner, God. Where Don't it's, worry. like, cryptid horniness. I was born to do a horny corner in a, a podcast. It's like said I was born to do it. I was born to do it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad we have an explicit I wish reading. I could cut this out, but I know myself, and I'm going to yeah. leave it in. <laughs> but, yeah, that's interesting. That's, yeah. It's just weird. It's weird to think about. Yeah, that something for such a small town is now just everywhere. Yeah, and people have, like, the conspiracy is now worldwide in some respects. Yeah. Like, I don't know who has said these things, but folks are like, oh, you know, they saw him in Chernobyl before it, the meltdown. Yeah. It, I've heard, like, I've heard that he's connected to a bunch of different, like, tragedies. And yeah. That, like, that thing that I'll, I'll see if I can find it, but. The synchronicity like, the thing. The synchronicity thing. A lot of it had to do with Indrid Cole, specifically yeah. Mothman. Like, a lot of it. And it wasn't just yeah. Point Pleasant. It was all over the place. Yeah. And it was just weird. I don't know. There was a more recent one in Chicago. It really? It was either 2017 or 2007. I'm really bad at time and time numbers. the worst. So. Those are two of my weakest points. <laughs> Aside from contact sports. It yeah. goes contact sports, time, numbers. Time. Yeah, okay. True. So yeah. no contact sports. Which is, I don't know why I think I could be good at roller derby. <laughs> you could try it. You could really just get them with the elbow. I will say that even though I'm such a fragile little egg, I have been fearless and stupid. That's so. all it takes. All it takes is the attitude. There's also a lot of pads. Like there's mm-hmm. elbow pads, knee pads, wrist guards. Exactly. And a helmet. You can break your, your beautiful little nose. But other than uh, that, yeah, you do. will get your face smashed. Shit. I like my nose a lot. Not anymore you don't. <laughs> <laughs> Not with that attitude. <laughs> when I was getting my ribs tattooed, my tattoo artist was like, you have very nice ribs. I was like, I grew them myself. And then when I was what getting... What a compliment. When I was getting my septum pierced, she was like, you have the straightest nose I've seen. And I was like... I, Thank you. This all natural. I like didn't know. all me, baby. <laughs> I'm just like, I don't know how to respond to these comments. <laughs> I got a little baby nose. <laughs> Interesting. All right. Oh, is that Nerd Corner? That's Nerd Corner. Okay, yeah. We went off, so I was like, sorry yeah. if you weren't done. No, no, no. It's mostly just questions and like, but it's consider this. So neat. Thanks. I'm glad that Nerd Corner was like more of this because I just don't have much to say about the movie because I find the myth that it's based on more interesting than the film mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's hard not to um so we're talking about horror now time for horror but i just i don't find this movie to be scary really no it's, it has it, jump scares some yeah but it's more about like mystery yes it was very hard for me to pick like scariest moment i had yeah. to like really think about it and be like maybe i had to kind of stretch what was scary to me yeah. um so basically my thoughts on this film were just that it was kind of all over the place I had trouble liking it because it had really weird transitions. The jump cuts were just a lot. The jump cuts were weird. It felt like, um, hold on, I wrote what it felt like in my notes, Mm -hmm. like specifically, it had the vibe of something. It also had the vibe of um, like a bad X-Files episode. Oh God, yeah. (laughs) Because, like, I like X-Files. I like X-Files. It is very 90s or, or 2000s, I guess, more. Yeah. But 
Yeah, like I still like it, even though it's got a similar vibe to this movie. This movie hmm. just was too much. Because I feel like it was trying to like be unhinged and like the possible yeah. like devolving of his mind, mm-hmm. and it was doing that through jump cuts and like the yes. strangeness of it. I just don't think it was done well. This is okay. Yeah. Uh, so I said the weird transitions are kind of distracting. It was very distracting. It like would take me out of the moment where yeah. I would be a kind of like processing what just happened and then all of a sudden they'd be like ooh star wipe like they don't actually do a star wipe but my god they did everything but that Mm -hmm. um it felt like a weird superhero comic movie oh like I just couldn't you know what it felt like to me what have you seen The Room Yes. Tommy Wiseau's The Room because to me it didn't feel like there was justification for each scene and The Room is just a series of not even vignettes. That would just, be too nice. No. Where it's just random fucking scenes. Oh, we're throwing like a football and we're, we're wearing tuxes. It was so fucking random. It just, I understood, I think, what they were going for. Mm-hmm. I just don't think it achieved that. Yeah, I think they were, like you said, going for, because uh, like in every transition, if you watch the movie, you'll understand what we're talking about. There's like these weird cuts between scenes to kind of like take you to the next part of the story that are supposed to be like segues. And they try to use, like, the environment or things around or the vibe of whatever the last moment was to do it. But it's weird. They're so distracting. There's, like, parts where there's a TV that is not part of the scene, really, and all of a sudden they'll fade into it and give you static. And it's it's just like, why? I, I don't... Yeah, I felt like the most consistent transition was a bookend where it goes, like, he's looking at her picture, it goes into her eye, it flashes, it flips, it does something, and then later it does it in reverse. Right. But I still didn't feel like it bookended two scenes that made sense. No. It just was the set of transitions that seemed planned. Right. Like, some of them, I, like, maybe I'd be like, okay, like, I can kind of see why you did it, but at the same time, it just felt unnecessary. I was like, I get it. Like, you wanted to make... I don't know, like this this wild thing to kind of show that like everything's connected. Yeah. I, I think maybe that was the intention. Yeah, it felt like it was supposed to be like, this is going in so many directions, like you have to be bewildered with him. Right. And it, this movie's nearly two hours. It's two hours, yeah. I just, I think the pacing was weird. I think Very a strange. lot of it could be cut. And I think that the transitions, if you're going for the vibe of like, the weirdness there's just a better way to do it i'm not a filmmaker i don't know what the better way is i just yeah. don't feel like it was effective no exactly i don't know what the better way is i don't i can't sit here and make another movie like you you're not going to do a nakondra i'm not going to do a nakondra yeah. for this that's fair but i i just don't i don't know i i can't put my finger on what was so bad about it yeah. except that it just felt kind of cheesy yeah when it was trying to unsettle you yeah like i think they wanted to show you like everything is important like keep your eye on the tv even though it wasn't part of the scene now it's the transition like i think maybe that was what the vibe they were going for yeah but instead it just felt like why like (laughs) it it took itself too seriously for what it was actually giving us it gave us like this buck wild kind of really cheesy looking effects but then it was just like so into itself yeah you know it had no self-awareness. It was very much just like, yeah, we think this is good and we think this is serious. Yeah. And I think but this line is going to stick with you. Yeah. And, I was like, and then instead I was like, eh. it's just a man who thinks he's profound saying random shit. It literally like, was. I, I would say the most effective moments in the movie for me are when they were like interviewing townspeople, like townspeople, but interviewing like the citizens of like mm-hmm. the small town. Yeah. 
And I like when they're doing the recounts of like how they saw Mothman. Yeah. And whenever they do like a, a memory or like a flashback, it usually goes into this really intense technicolor, like high contrast yeah. moment. I don't hate that. I think if they had consistently kept their relatively normal lighting, it's very normal lighting, I would say. It's either natural, very blue and cold, mm. or really warm, depending on where he is. So it's not, you know, not nothing super special until you get to those moments of flashbacks. If they had just done that and stuck with like, we're going to keep this movie relatively normal until we're talking about this very specific thing and we're mm-hmm. going to show you how it messes with your mind. Yep. Then I think it could have been at least a little better. Mm-hmm. Still boring as fuck, yeah. but it would have at least been like, oh, cool. I understand now that like what Mothman does is he messes with your brain and tries to give you thoughts. You know, I don't yeah. know. Because I don't know what he does. I don't fucking know. But those parts were effective. But then they continued those weird fucking colors and scenes and this with the transitions. Yeah. And I was like, okay, but that those are supposed to be reserved for these flashbacks. Yeah. And now I'm like, I have no idea what you're trying to tell me. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. Yeah, so that that's like how I feel about this movie. I have such little things to say just because yeah. I was like, it's not super interesting, but they tried to, it's like they tried to make it more interesting with the way it looked, but instead just made it kind of goofy. They did a lot of close-ups of faces, like they had a, a lot, lot of eye close-ups and a lot of mouth close-ups. There like when he's are. whispering into the phone, what happened to my wife? I was like, that was unnecessary and it didn't feel like gripping it felt awkward i was like i shouldn't be this close to this man shouldn't like there has we've talked about it so many times is like i'm not saying we don't like these things like close-ups can be great slow-mo can be great it's all about the intention and there was just so little intent in this movie other than let's tell this fucking story like (laughs) throw it to the wall see what sticks and nothing Unfortunately, like, everything stuck. At least they thought. Yeah. And they were like, let's roll with it. You walk into the room, spaghetti's all over the walls. everywhere. Some of it's molding. It's been there a while. (laughs) I just didn't want to see all this spaghetti. One of the few things I did like, I I thought that the sound design was okay. Hmm. Um, Like, when they're on the phone, and it's kind of, like, sped up and crackly, and I like that. Yeah, I thought it was cool. Yeah. Like, if they had stuck with just really good sound design, and also a a little bit more consistency between, like when to use this wild lighting would have been pretty pretty okay yeah but yeah um i'm trying to think i noticed very little lighting because i never do i noticed whenever they use red because red was a through line oh it was everywhere but it to me it didn't feel as impactful because it felt overused oh yeah (laughs) and then um the shaky cam sometimes where it was it did the thing that um insidious did where it like overcorrects where like it moves really quickly and it jostles from Mm -hmm. one person to another right and they used it in a few scenes where you think maybe mothman is looking at him from behind right oh that's cool but then mothman's just like deuces and dips and there's no justification for that movement in the scene except to be uneasy and so to me like i love creative camera movement Mm -hmm. justify it Exactly. To me, it felt like they were, it was a cop out to say it's mysterious. Like you'll never know the reason. You have to have more than that. If you're going to do it, I, you have to at least make it like intriguing. Yeah. I, I don't know. I feel like it was just weird that they, it's, I know that that's what the book is called. They call it the Mothman Prophecies, but like you never really see like a Mothman kind of. I mean, not really. You kind of get like symbols or silhouettes, I think. Yeah. You, like you don't get, 
I don't know. And whenever you get the like stories being told about it, they're kind of vague. So I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. It just felt weird. It felt like they leaned heavy into being like, yeah, it's Mothman. But then there's not a lot of Mothman. No, it's, it's a guy on a phone mostly. Yeah. So it, which like, I get it. That's the story and everything, but I, yeah. I don't know. It just felt weird. They leaned so hard into this red, which I assume is supposed the to be the red eyes of Mothman. Cause that is like his most remembered trait. Like, mm-hmm. I guess like memorable feature. Yes. Most like memorable, remembered, memorable, rememberable, his rememberable. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's the most memorable thing about him. And I think that they were like, let's lean hard into putting red in every single scene. Yeah. And it is, even if it's, subtle like an exit sign it's fucking bright yeah they they had to have bumped up their reds and like put everything else down because it's bright as hell in every single scene but then it's not even talked about really like yeah it's what (laughs) the other like frequent red was deborah messing's hair and i'm picturing them like sitting her in a chair and they're like we gotta go clown level you gotta have the reddest hair available it they really i wonder if that's why they cast they were just like, Deborah Who's Messing. Who's a redhead? Who's a hot redhead these days? And they were just like, ooh, ooh, Deborah Messing. Eric, name a redhead. <laughs> Quick, Eric, Eric. <laughs> but like, and I love Deborah Messing. I yeah. think she's great. Like, at least I think. I don't know. Has she done anything shitty? Someone tell me. Uh, she's a Democrat. That's everything I know. Okay. Yeah. But like, she's fine. She's a good actress. Like, I had no qualms about this for the most part. I, she, they killed her immediately, so. Yep. But yeah, her red hair. What? <laughs> I had, I'm like, come on. Let me find it in my notes because I cackled a little bit um, over her hair. Oh, no. Because, okay. Uh, you know the scene where he, like, it's misconnections. Where, like, oh, right, yes. she walks behind him. Her hair is different. It's crimped. It's shorter. And so <laughs> I have my notes. She walks past him slightly behind. But she's doing something different with her hair. So it's fine he didn't recognize her. <laughs> My wife with crimped hair? No way. No, that can't be her. Mary would never. God. I, anyway. Oh my God. It, there was just so much going on. I don't have a lot of good stuff to say. And it's not necessarily that like, this movie's horrible. It's just that it's not very memorable or good. Like, you know what I mean? There's yeah. nothing stand out great. Like, yeah. it, it's just like, eh, it's fine. Yeah. It didn't um, like bring me a lot of joy where it was, that's a bad way of saying it it didn't give me something that i was like thinking about telling later like yeah oh, you have to see the camera angles in this movie yeah. or like i really love the slow burn because i think there are other slow burns that do it better yeah uh me an impatient person yeah uh i don't always do great with slow burns in the moment and then in retrospect i was like i loved that movie the whole time and then while yeah, exactly. i'm watching it, i hate this shit but after <laughs> looking back too. i still don't love it right usually slow burns usually they burn that's the point is yeah. it starts out slow but then it picks up or it gives you some kind of payoff where you're like hell yeah that was worth it this one's just a slow burn the whole time and i think what you're supposed to get at the end is that bridge yeah collapse and everything but it it doesn't feel i don't know and maybe it's because i i knew that, that that's what this is going to be about yeah. like, if you know the story of mothman you know that the bridge is probably going to be the biggest mm-hmm. pole for the end of this movie yeah so the whole time i was watching it i was like where's the bridge collapse just come on like i know it's coming i was kind of just trying to hurry it up i felt like i was at summer camp working with the kids and there was one slow kid and i was like just move please you walk so slow please like you have to just keep up like and you love you know you love them but you're like just she's busy looking at mushrooms okay oh my god don't (laughs) we had one specific kid at my summer camp who just walked so slow so sweet 
And she had to point at every mushroom and go, mushroom. And I was like, yeah! <laughs> So that's how I felt about this movie. It was yeah. so slow. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think you can tell that it's very slow because you and I at the same time messaged our chat saying like, hey, like we're busy. We can't do something tonight. We're watching the movie. And both said, trying not to fall asleep. Yep. And yeah, I know you and I don't sleep a lot. No. I get that. We have trouble sleeping. Uh-huh. But still, it was like yeah. putting me to sleep. Yep. I watched it in two parts. Nikki knows this, but yeah. I watched 20 minutes the first night. And I had to watch the first seven minutes several times because yeah. I could not pay attention to it. I was struggling. And then I watched the rest of it yesterday mm-hmm. because I was like, I have to watch. I have to finish it. I, I watched all of it one night, but I did. I fell asleep. I fell asleep for an hour. Yeah. Like I had to, I woke up. I like woke up a little bit mm-hmm. and then I restarted it so that way I, w- I wouldn't miss anything. And it's fine. I, yeah. It's hard because it's not like the fourth kind where I can rage and be yeah. angry, you know? Like, at least that movie gave me something to be fucking mad about. Yeah, no consistency. Yeah. Whereas this one didn't give me anything to be mad about. Yeah. It just wasn't fun. Yeah. So it's not like, like, I don't look back at this saying, like, that's two hours I'll never get back. Like, not at all. Right. It was fine. Yeah. But it wasn't good or great to me. It was no fine. It's fine. I, I would never watch it again. Like, no. <laughs> if somebody was like, hey, like, oh, have you seen this? We should watch Mothman Frogs. I'd be like, you know what? I've actually seen it. No, thank you. I think the only way I'd watch it again is if there were some game attached to it. Like a drinking oh, yeah. game or like a board game or like something this to attach to it. 100% the kind of movie you watch with friends. In the background. In the background and make jokes and talk and like yes. drink. Like it. it yep. It's very much one of those. Not like Evil Dead. Oh, God. Evil that's... Dead is when you watch with friends because you know it's going to be a blast and you're going to have a good time. Building. Exactly. Yeah. It's one of those ones that you want to build off of with your friends. Yeah. This is one where you're like, we need noise. It's like I like already Mothman. watched all of the Try Guys videos. Might Do you want to well... watch Mothman? <laughs> exactly. Like, sure, why not? And here's the worst part is I got it on Apple TV. <laughs> you can only buy it. No, I own it. I own Mothman. I rented it now. on YouTube. Well, I fucking didn't. So if anybody wants to come over and watch Rockman Prophecy, Nikki will be having a great time watching it again. <laughs> I got to get my money's worth. I mean, yeah. it was $5, but I got to um, get it. I got to watch it at least uh, five more times. You paid like a dollar more and you own it. I paid like $4 and I rented it. Who's the real <laughs> chump here? Aha, me, because I have it. I don't want it. <laughs> but I know it's not a lot, but that that's... Those are my thoughts on horror. Yeah. Only because I think we covered more of what the horror is in Nerd Corner, yeah. which is the story of Mothman. Yeah. And I think that that was just, to be honest, just more interesting. Yeah. I had just so. like a few notes yeah. where I thought like there's something promising here mm-hmm. or there's something I, that could be built on, but then it just didn't. Yeah. So I was like, going to say, you, go, you could do that as well and I'll look and see if I can find anything where I was like, yeah. <laughs> So, like, one of them is when I think he goes to Chicago to interview Leek. Mm-hmm. And um, you see, like, a church, like, this old school church. And then in the background, you see something that says free market. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, that's a really interesting combination because it's, like, the free market economy, capitalism, the church. And so there's this juxtaposition that is just, that's all the frame, like, that's all that is on the screen. Yeah. Free market on a building in the background and the church in the foreground. Interesting. I was like, oh, is this, like, the meeting of past and present of, like, lore and modernity? And then just, no. It's like, no, that's the city <laughs> they're in. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Uh, oh, God. And then, like, 
I we already talked about this, but like I feel like the cuts are meant to demonstrate his investigation, but it felt rushed while still being slow. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, strange angles, lots of lots of eye imagery, so many, so eyes. much eye imagery. Like at one like point, constantly when you're seeing him do his like newsman thing mm-hmm. or interviewer thing, and it like reporter. Yeah, yeah. Well, first, like you're seeing um, a storefront. With a oh, bunch of TVs. Eyes, yes. Yeah. Three of the TVs have like something random. Three of them have eyeballs. And then like three of them have him. So it's like, okay, so eyes. We're going hard on eyes. They went hard. And it wasn't even like, hey, here's too much. Yeah. Um, one of my notes also, this was, this didn't happen throughout the whole movie. This was kind of just in the beginning for some of it. But the music in some parts was like kind of loud. And the dialogue was like pretty soft. They were like whispering for dramatic effect. Yeah. But it was to the point where I was like, can you just speak up a little? Like, please, Richard Gere. Like, yep. <laughs> it was just a little too quiet. And the mixing was just a little strange, but not for the whole movie. So yeah. I can't knock it for that, for the whole thing. Because, I mean, it was fine. Yeah. It was just there were a few parts where, yeah. And then I said, the alluding to the red eyes is very strong from the very beginning of the yeah. movie. But then it's not really talked about. Like, it's, yeah, weird. One of my notes is, so, like, is she dead? Because <laughs> I thought she was going to be a main character through the whole movie. Yeah. Dead. So, whoops. Um, uh, let's see. I did, I have my note about, I like the weird high contrast Technicolor flashbacks. I think it's cool. Yeah. But then they started doing those transitions even more. And I was like, okay. So it didn't, it made it feel not special anymore. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I kind of wanted that to be like that moment where you're like, whoa. (laughs) Yeah. And it eh, just kind of took it away. I said the transitions are distracting. Um, it did have very, very few moments of slow motion that I didn't hate. Hate. I was gonna ask you about that, and then I forgot. Yeah, um, it it had more intention than other ones, I would yes. say. So like, it didn't use it a ton, I don't think. Yeah. Um, but there was one I liked where like he's running across the bridge to yeah. get the news of his wife, and I was like, that one's not bad because yeah. it reminded me of like a moment that's about to change his life, and yes. for him, it probably feels like forever. So yeah. they've got this like slow motion justified. feel. Felt good. Felt justified. There's like another moment where he turns to do something and it's that same like, this feels like forever, but you know, and this movie is fucked up with time. Like that is part of it is that like he'll drive for what he feels like is 10 minutes and then it's like, it's been five hours. So it made more sense than other movies. And I didn't hate it. They did do it a few times where I was like, all right, relax. Like (laughs) where it just kind of kept going. But I I was, I was pleasantly surprised by that at least. I can't say with any certainty how many times they did do slow-mo, but in my heart, it feels like they did it five and they should have done it three. Exactly. Yeah. I can't say how many times, but I can tell you there were two that I liked. Yeah. And then the rest, I'm like, well, now you can stop. Like, (laughs) I I wasn't mad about it. Like, it didn't infuriate me like other movies, but I do still think they used it too many times. Yeah. Um, I did say I liked, uh, the camera shots that would go upside down suddenly. Yeah. I thought that was cool. Super cool. Yeah. I, you know, I thought that was at least neat. There are some camera shots in this that are cool. Yeah. I think that just, unfortunately, the movie itself is hindered by being so boring that you kind of miss them. Yeah. Cause you zone out. I don't know. Like when I'm watching, <laughs> exactly. Like when I'm watching a very boring, slow burn movie that I don't feel like is going to have a payoff that I will like, I will just be like, okay. Like, I watched it, but I didn't take it in, like, yeah. as much. So I, I have, like, yeah. half the notes I usually do on this movie. Yeah. And I feel bad. I don't like saying that I struggled to pay attention to a movie, but it was just so boring. <laughs> so it was hard. But they do have some cool camera shots. So, yeah. like, 
you know, if I could take all the parts of this movie I do like and just make like a, a little short thing of it. Oh, so you are going to do it in a conjuring. For Shit, I guess I'm doing <laughs> But it's not going to be a movie. It's just going to be like a best of. Yeah. <laughs> um, the highlights, Mothman. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> My highlights. Um, uh, also, uh, I, there's one part that did scare me. I won't say it's my biggest scare, but I mm. have no idea if it's intentional or not. Um, it's when he's in his hotel and a lot of this movie takes mm. place in his hotel room, which is like fine, I guess. Um, it kind of felt claustrophobic in a way that I was like intentional or just yeah. weird. I don't know. But there's a part where he smacks his mirror and it like kind of bounces back and there's a face. Yeah, there's a face. That was weird. I like that. I actually took it back and rewatched that part a few times to try to like pause it on the face Mm -hmm. because I was like, is it his face? Is it his wife's face? Whose face? It was very dark. It was very like, couldn't quite, it was very, I don't know, obstructed. It was weird. Um, But I liked that part. I liked that. I thought it it was cool. Almost just, it was almost comical how out of place it felt. Yeah. Because the whole movie was like kind of boring, kind of boring, kind of boring. And then it was like, scary face. Yeah. (laughs) And it, it was like, oh. Because <laughs> I, I thought there were good mind fucks in it where it was yeah. like, I would have sworn that was your voice. It's like, I didn't call you. And then you have to so question cool. like, did he forget? Is someone in person? Like you have those moments where you don't know if you have a reliable narrator. Yeah. And I think that's really awesome. Yes. And like the mirror flash moment I thought was really cool. Love and then that. other times just like, oh yeah, I get it. Yeah. It's the similar issue that, um, what did I say? The last one we just watched, Insidious Head, mm-hmm. where- yeah. I think it just took everything a step too far. I feel like this movie just like had all the pieces to be like at least an interesting slow burn. Mm-hmm. Not a scary, scary movie. Yeah. But something that I could walk away from and be like, that was neat. But because it had those cheesy transitions, kind of inconsistent effects, yeah. and like took itself so serious uh-huh. that it was kind of just, it was just kind of funny. Like it, it yeah. almost made it comical. Um it was so close. I feel like it had the pieces. Cause you're right. There were some really cool mindfuck times. Like the part where he was like, I've seen you every day at 4am. Like every single day I waited for you. That part scared me. Yeah. And it's so early on in the movie that I had high hopes. I was like, cool, this is neat. Yeah. And then, you know, it kind of never follows through on some of these things. So <sighs> I had high hopes. Yeah. Um, let's see. I think that was the end of my notes too, though. Um, do I do scariest moment in quotation marks? <laughs> yeah, I think I've got, I think I've got my my scariest moment. Um, yeah, for sure. Okay. Um, do you have yours, or do you want me to go? I had it and then I promptly forgot it. <laughs> I remember. Okay, <laughs> cool. Uh, do you want to go first? You don't mean to. Uh, I'll go. Okay. Um, so my scariest moment was, it's like when they find uh, Gordon, I believe, uh, in yeah. the woods. I thought that was very neat, mostly because of the phone call before. Yeah. So it's a scariest moment that's not, like, scary because of what you're seeing, but yeah. mostly of just what you know. Yeah. So, like, Gordon is, you know, this poor man who's been, like, plagued by visions and this and everything from Mothman or whatever for so long. And um, he calls Richard Gere's character, like, an hour yeah. before he finds him in the woods. And Gordon is dead. He's clearly he been out been there. Hours. Yeah. So that part was spooky to me and it's like sad. It like takes a character that like you kind of rooted for. So, you know, it was tough to find a scary moment. Mm-hmm. It was between this and the, the face in the mirror. But I think this one was just more effective at like, I don't know, being emotional, but also being yeah. uh, trippy. So yeah. yeah, 
My scariest moment was another Insidious style scare. Oh, good. Where it was because I was frustrated. <laughs> like, stop it. Uh, it's early in the movie, first 10 minutes. They're driving back from the house showing. Oh, okay. And she's driving. Mm-hmm. She's driving too fast because so they're fast. horn monsters. And uh, he's like, how fast can you get us home? And they're like kissing in between red yeah. lights and stuff. Yeah, it's just a lot. Uh, but you have to know how happy they are. And so she's driving way faster than she should. She's driving down a residential street, which you're supposed to do like 25 on those. I was so stressed during that whole part. And first of all, it also looked like she was driving on the wrong side of the road. (laughs) Shit did not look good in this car. It didn't look good. (laughs) Nothing looked like it was going well for them. And then she looks over to look at him. And I was like, like, you keep your eyes on the road, honey. Like, I know you're horny. I get it. Get home safe and then you can fuck. It was and so dark, too. I was yeah. like, what are you doing? Don't look I was at like, him. You're driving quickly on a dark road down the middle, slightly on the wrong lane, residential area. Don't take your eyes off the road. And so the tension, because like I knew. Right. I knew that something was something going to Something bad, obviously, was coming. And so it was the tension of knowing, because it wasn't me being prescient. It was just the, no. like, it's leading up to it, clearly. And I hated it. It was very, like, come on, stop. Okay, stop looking at him. Like, I was so frustrated. I do like that they set up, hey, they're gonna fuck and yeah. they, they are gonna do anything to do it by having them just to have sex in the closet at this new house i love that was so rude of them it was so i literally wrote fucking rude they open the closet and they're about to like totally a fuck in this closet of a house that they do not own yet but like put an offer in on mm-hmm. and the, the poor realtor's like hi you got the house and richard gear's like cool fuck off and just like closes yeah. the closet to continue fucking i that makes me mad because it's like it was rude it's cool if you're a voyeur you have to get the consent of other people though like he did not have like it was just really it was unkind also that's not how it works you do not have the house yet no you can't just be like cool thanks for letting me know we're doing it like (laughs) but i do i love how they were just like hey just in case you weren't positive they want to fuck a lot yeah and that's their downfall you have to know how (laughs) desperately infatuated with each other they are so it's tragic when she dies. We're so happy. They didn't show them in love. They just showed them horned up for each other. It's devastating. Devastating. (laughs) But yeah, that's a good scary moment. Thank you. (laughs) I like these new scariest moments that are just, I'm mad and anxious. Like, I don't like this. Yeah, the scary things inside my head. He's like, this is scary to me because I'm angry. (laughs) Uh, But that's it. That's horror. I I think the horror really, it was covered in Nerd Corner. And I think it was, uh, I'm glad that that was, a little more in depth than this. Yeah. Because, I don't know, it was better than the movie. Thank you. <laughs> so, uh, are you ready for trills? I am. I got distracted because my hair was trying to become my bangs. I my watched bangs it. I was like, what are you doing with your bangs? <laughs> you're like, you're doing good over there, hon. What's up? You haven't even mentioned that my hair is accidentally crimped. I did see it. I wasn't going to say it. <laughs> it's because I had it in braids and I took it out yeah. and now I look like I'm from the 80s or 90s. Okay. Do you want to know the saddest part of my, like, slumber party years yeah my hair wouldn't crimp oh everyone else was crimping their hair and my hair has always been like very fine and yeah, very like so it doesn't it wouldn't crimp like, it wouldn't crimp without <sighs> my friend uh so we were at the party like everyone's crimping each other's hair because it's the fucking 90s it's the 90s baby <laughs> and uh the next morning i was just like almost in tears because everyone else had crimped hair and they had given up on mine and so Aww. the mom comes in she spent like an hour and she put her whole upper body into crimping my hair and it took and I was like desperate to not sleep on it and because I was like my hair is crimped and I was just like whipping my hair around but it 
it took Mallory's mom a hot minute to be able to crimp my hair. Cutest story ever. Just you being like, crimp it, please. I was like, I don't want to be left out. Desperate for the crimp. Yeah. Oh, my God. I, I don't think mine would really crimp either, but that's because it was curly, so oh. it was already, like, doing its own crimp. So, yeah. you know, yeah. you can't crimp a crimp. So, you know. If there's one thing we know. If there's one thing we know. It's that if it's crimped, you can't crimp it. Yeah. Sad. All right, I'm ready for tropes. <laughs> So tropes this time around were just kind of, eh. Yeah. And Much, that's the theme yeah. of this movie, isn't it? <laughs> so I went really hard into one of them okay. and then just kind of lightly covered a few others. Love it. So one of them we've already talked about is yeah. alternate history, mm-hmm. where it's like all the differences between the actual facts of a historical event mm-hmm. and then the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there, these are things man was not meant to know, where oh it's God. like Gordon and Leek were both undone. By the amount of knowledge they had. Yeah. And so at one point, Klein is like, um, like, don't you have to know? I have to know. And Leek is like, we're not allowed to know. And I thought that was like one of the few effective moments. That is a really cool moment. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's like, humans cannot safely understand this. And if it is revealed to them, they'll fucking lose it. Yeah. So like, if anyone has ever seen Doctor Who, uh, when Rose, well, God, I don't want to get, well, it's a decade old spoiler. Uh, when Rose, like, looks into the heart of the TARDIS. Oh, yeah. And she, like, takes it all in. Like, that's too much for a human that's body to much. handle. And then Donna does kind of the same thing. Right. Where she, like, does the Dr. Donna thing. Yeah. But it's also too much. Oh, yeah. right. That's a good episode. Dang. Yeah, it is. It breaks my Dr. fucking heart. <laughs> I love the Donna season so Donna much. Donna so good. I can't watch the end because it makes me weep. No, it's very sad. Whew. Goodness. Anyway. Didn't mean well, to Dr. get into Who Dr. Who corner there for yeah. everybody. Right? Uh, so yeah, that was like this thing that is mind breaking. Yes. Once you realize it. And a lot of like alien esque things really lean on that. Yeah. Where it's like seeing the alien is what destroys you because it's something you could not possibly imagine or comprehend. It's like you just can't handle it. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's very like fourth kind. Yeah. And yeah. I was going to go off on another tangent, but (laughs) my phone's hard to pop. (laughs) Goodness. Mad. (laughs) Uh, so then one of them, another trope is, um, decomposite characters. Mm. So if you have composite characters, it's when like the original source material has a lot of fucking characters. And so you combine some of them together Yeah, where it's like from the original 13 ghosts to the remake of 13 ghosts, like in the original, the maid was kind of like all three parts. Mm -hmm. And then she was broken up into discrete characters in the remake. Yes. Decomposite characters, the opposite. Oh, God. <laughs> where uh, you have multiple people that become one. Hold on. I need to, like, look at this again. Uh, so Connie mm-hmm. and Mary are a decomposite of a journalist who is a oh, colleague yeah. of Keel's who assisted. So it's like I didn't get super far into, like, I try really hard to avoid the book. I have no <laughs> interest in... Right. John Keel's book because Keel is the real person. Leek is the movie. Oh, okay, of him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so every fucking time I have to sit here like Keel or Leek, Keel or Leek, and drives me <laughs> Too much. up the fucking wall. Uh, so there was a decomposite character. Okay. Uh, and yeah, I'm not gonna go into the rest of that because it's like I didn't read the book. I don't know if this is accurate. Um, okay, the trope that I'm most interested in is actually two tropes: mm. Agent Mulder and Agent Scully. Yeah. <laughs> I love X Files. I love X-Files. And I think it's... I'm going to get into it. 
So we have the molder and we have the scully. Arguably, I think we have two molders here. Right. I'll come around to that. So the molder, as a trope, mm-hmm. is the consummate believer. If there's a mysterious event, they'll believe the conspiracy theory that surrounds it. Right. They're typically shown as mystic, seen by others as crazy and gullible, but they're usually right. Yeah. And the Mulder has to be paired with the Scully. Yeah. And of course, Dana Scully is the namesake of that, <laughs> our queen. Uh, and this is the character that will always try to find a logical explanation for something and push right. back against any idea that the Mulder puts forward. If it's vaguely mystical, they're not having it. So <laughs> Not about it. No, they're just not. It's not their jam. <laughs> just, mm-hmm. oh, that's fine. So typically this character ends up witnessing things that they cannot explain. They sputter for a bit. And then they say something that's really a reach. <laughs> but they're like, well, technically, like, it could I be this. I love when they do that. Yeah. So why do we need both the Mulder and the Scully in pieces of paranormal fiction? The balance of belief and skepticism drives the plot and tension. Yeah. Two Scullys would dip early, <laughs> believing it to be a hoax not worth their time. Bye. <laughs> and two Mulders would go down a rabbit hole spinning wilder and wilder theories and get off track and forget the original course of action. <laughs> That's my personal headcanon yeah. of what would happen if you had two molders or two scullies. 100%. So progress in solving the mystery is made when two people keep asking questions and poking holes in each other's theories. Okay. They push each other to right. defend their ideas and to get better theories mm-hmm. and test their hypothesis. That leads them to seek out information in a variety of directions. It's also entertaining. Right. So it can be funny to watch the mm-hmm. molder and scully duke it out over aliens, or it can be tense. And regardless, it keeps us interested and invested. Right. So in this case, like the moldiest molder, molderiest, he's moldiest, <laughs> molderiest molder, oh uh, he doesn't ever actually meet the Scully because arguably mm-hmm. Leek is molder right. because he is the believer yeah. and Connie is the Scully where she is always going to push back against it. Like, right. I know I've seen some weird shit, but there has to be an explanation that's outside of your noggin. And... You can also see Klein as a molder, mm-hmm. but kind of a reluctant molder. Yeah. Where he starts off masquerading as a scully, and then <laughs> he becomes molder with, like, a gentle nudge. It right. really wasn't, like, reluctant is kind of probably saying it too strongly, because someone's like, but what if, and he's like, I'm there. Okay, yeah. Yeah. And For sure. Like <laughs> I was, like, picturing them as a spectrum, where on one end you have Leek, and on one end you have Connie. And Klein is being pulled in either direction. Mm-hmm. And, like, he is barely tugged towards Leek. And he's like, I'm in. Okay. <laughs> you got uh, it. So the tension of that battle is kind of brief. But I think it's really interesting to have the Mulder and the Scully and see how the plot is pushed forward from that. Right. When it's well done. Right. Because sometimes <laughs> it can just be frustrating. And it doesn't feel like progress is being made. Or it doesn't feel like it's, like, logical. It just feels like a never-ending battle. Yeah. And you're just kind of like, someone's got to at least win a little. Like, you got to give me something. Yeah. And so, like, there's that common structure of plot where it's, like, Believer is trying, 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 trying to convince. And then the Scully only comes around in the last 20 minutes of the movie. Right. That's There's a payoff there. Mm -hmm. But to me, this one just never had that balance that was good. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I could totally see that. So those are my tropes. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. I wonder, because I, I kept getting obvious X-Files vibes from this. Not just in the Mulder and Scully, but also just from the, like the the way it's made, the way it's kind of portrayed. It has yeah. vibes of an X-Files episode, but yeah. just not as fun like or interesting. Um, so yeah, that's we got to rate this movie now. Uh, my only thing was just uh, bad transitions. <laughs> 
Yeah. That's kind of my biggest takeaway from this yeah. movie. Is I was like... Jarring jump cuts. <laughs> jarring jump cuts. I love yeah. jarring. Okay, I love a good alliteration. Thank so you. if we do it, it's got to be jarring jump yeah. cuts. But it was either that or like too much red light. Like, or mm, just like yeah. aggressive red eyes. Because yeah. it was just like they leaned into it so hard. My... Yeah. You pay off. Yeah. Uh, my only idea had been in the first five minutes. And it's just too grim. And it... Never comes back around, but when his wife is getting the MRI mm-hmm. and you see like something in her brain, I was yeah. like, "Ah, oh, that's a Mothman shaped mass there." <laughs> Mothman shaped mass. Yeah, I don't. I like oh, jarring God. jump cuts better. <laughs> jarring jump cuts has yeah. got to be it. That's yeah. a good one. Okay, I, I already know mine. Same. One, you ready? Two. Yeah. Hey, yeah. <laughs> we gave it the same amount of jarring yep. jump cuts. Yep. Uh, two. Yeah. <laughs> we both gave it two. I don't even really have to explain it. Really, I feel like we've made it pretty clear the whole time. Yeah. I don't. I don't want to say and sit here and be like, "I fucking hate this movie." I don't hate it. I don't hate it. I kind of just feel nothing towards yeah, it. I'm not ambivalent. That's not even the word. I'm just kind of just like, what's the word? indifferent? Oh, indifferent. I'm indifferent. Yeah, I'm indifferent. I don't. I don't care one way or the other. Yeah. If it was on and someone was like, "I love this movie," I'd be like, "That's cool." Yeah. And I'd be like, I would never. I would. I mean, I wouldn't do that with anybody. If someone likes a movie, I'm not gonna sit there and be like, "You're fucking wrong." <laughs> But I'm not going to be like, I'm actually not a fan of this movie. I would just be like, okay, cool. Neat. Ah, you know. Yeah. It's not not my jam, but yeah. I don't really know why. It's just, I don't know. Kind of boring. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. That's, yep. I've already said all of my opinions on this yeah. movie. It's like the story behind it is more interesting than the movie. And yeah. I think the movie just didn't do the story well. Yeah. And yeah, that's it. Agreed. So, so that's total of four jarring jump cuts. Right. Yeah. Which is way less than way this Way less had. than this had. <clears throat> yeah. So God. do you think that wraps up our discussion? That wraps it up. <laughs> okay. Um. So that wraps up our discussion of the Mothman Prophecies. If you enjoyed your time with us, we would really appreciate it if you'd rate and review on Apple Podcasts mm-hmm. or wherever you listen to podcasts. Yeah, Spotify yeah. also has it now. That's Podcast fun. Addict. Um, there's another one, but I can't remember what it is at the moment. Yeah. But you can rate us on a variety of apps, and we'd love to see those. Yeah. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Just Ghoul With It. And every Wednesday, we'll post the movie for the week, as well as where you can find it if yeah. it's streaming for free. This week, yeah. it was not. We've, we've struggled. We haven't had a lot of movies that are streaming lately, but Mm-mm. we're trying. We're going to so. do it someday. Yeah, we'll uh, get them. Maybe he'll do a themed Netflix month. That'd be great. <laughs> By the time we actually get to it, they'll be off Netflix. Right? <laughs> with our fucking luck. God. Uh, you can check out the extended show notes on our website, mm-hmm. justgoalwithitpod.com, or maybe even take a look at our Patreon. <gasps> Patreon.com slash justgoalwithit. And we'd like to take this opportunity. You got it. To thank our patrons. Okay. Kim, Kelly, Mihar, Will, Rachel, Kelsey, Sula, Tim, Beth, Kayla, Meg, Katie, Morgan, Brady, Darby, and Kenny. Woo! Woo! That was beautiful. Thank you. Nailed it. Yeah, Woo. Patreon's fun. Yeah. They chose this movie, so every month they get to choose between, I think, like four, Yep, I think. Um, and then, yeah, we do one of those a month. We've got horror game streams that we do once a month, mm-hmm. Simon watches, and we hang out in the Discord. <laughs> this last one we watched was Snakes oh on a Plane. Oh my god, that movie was wild. <laughs> that was wild. I was not prepared for Snakes on a Plane. I didn't think I was going to be as emotionally invested Me in Snakes either. on a Plane as I was. I was expecting it to be cheesy. Yeah, like really cheesy. I it's, was picturing Airplane. <laughs> it's got some cheese, but it is good. Like, yeah. I liked so, it. Join the Discord. You'll see yeah. some movies you're not sure you'll like, but you will. Yeah. Um, Before yeah. that, we watched The Babysitter. Yeah. That one was fun. I love the Discord. Also, yeah. we just hang out, chat, send yeah. funny memes. So yeah. Patreon's great. Check it out. It's a good time. The intro and outro music was created by Anthony Roccozella, and the cover is by our very own Nikki Sullivan. And now I have to make so much Mothman art. <laughs> okay. I'm, we have <laughs> I'm to go ready, through though. and just like make a list. I'm ready. I'm excited for all of it. Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. going to be great. Oh, my God. 
I was going to say, let's do a nice jarring jump cut to end, but this is an audio medium, so... Maybe she's born with it. Maybe, maybe it's Mothman. Maybe it's Mothman. <laughs> jump cut. Jump cut. <laughs> Star wipe. <laughs>